0: This is Fred Ricciani of TSC News TV, the Sports Courier Podcast. We have right here via Zoom a very special guest. He is known as the Metalhead Maniac. He is a broadcaster. He's a streamer, but he is a pro wrestler, not just any pro wrestler, but one of the rising stars of Ring of Honor Wrestling. You can watch him on ROH TV. We are talking to the man they call Sledge. Sledge, how's everything going?
1: Holy shh. What a great inter- what a great introduction! <laughs> I'm sitting here going, man, this guy's going to town right now. I like this, man. I'm happy. Introduce me every time, like to the ring. We'll make we'll you know, make. It uh, back to your question, man. I I'm great, dude. I I broke I I woke up. I woke up. I got a breath of fresh air today. Went to the gym, worked out. Went to the ring, worked out. What do I got? What do I got to complain about, man?
0: Life's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, life sounds good for you, but. This last year that everybody's had in the world, it's it's been it's been crazy. You, you talked about it recently on ROH TV, but and you could kind of go more in depth in it because you obviously have lived it. But for fan, fans who don't know, went through the ROH dojo, the 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 vaunted uh, training school academy for ROH. You got signed, I believe, in twenty twenty. You were ready to go, ready to kick ass, and then the pandemic happened. Do I have that correctly? Yeah, it, it uh, my contract went into full effect
1: uh, March 1st with Ring of Honor, and the world shut down seven days later.
0: Now, your story is pretty inspirational because you, you've talked about on ROH TV how you, you overcame addiction, overcame the, the loss of your father at a young age. Um, you've been sober, I believe you said, for about six years now, which is first of all, let me commend you for that. that that's incredible, my friend. Thank um, you. so, so you know, you get your career on track doing your thing. Um, you know, some people may say maybe you had a little bit of a late start. Hey, you start when you start doing your thing. A lot of positive momentum, positive feedback. Obviously, you got signed. ROH rewards you with the deal. And then the world shuts down. The world How did you deal with just get into that point and then having to wait another year?
1: I took it as a time to reset. I've been going, 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 going for so many years that when it was time to slow down i took it as a time to reset physically mentally emotionally to get to the dojo move my life from california all the way to baltimore maryland for an opportunity not as a signed wrestler but as an opportunity to be a signed wrestler it it took a lot of toll on me you know i i left my support system you know i was out there all alone um a lot of the guys at Dojo stepped up to help me out, man. Like Dak Draper, like Dak uh, helped me out tremendously. He, I was to the point of like, I was so mentally done that I was ready to leave. And he sat me down was like, dude, there's a reason why you're here. Stick it out. So I have so much, you know, him, Khan, Mo, um all those guys, man, they helped me out tremendously. Um, So when I came back and the pandemic hit, I took it as a time to completely reset. Um, I I came home a little heavier than I really wanted to, back to California a little heavier than I wanted to. I uh, I depressed ate while I was out there because I was so depressed for being out there. Um, I wasn't happy at all, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to leave. Is because I was like, man, this this isn't really. I don't really see this going anywhere too too many times anytime soon. So like I need to go home. Like I need to mentally for my mental state i need to go home and that's when dak sat me down like was like yo brother like let's let's you know calm down it's all good like we got you you know and then i got signed and when the pandemic happened they they sent us all home so i was i have a place in california i had a place in baltimore and at the time when the pandemic hit uh the boss told me hey go home go back to cali and i said okay cool and i've been living here ever since so, and it was good for me. It was really good mentally, definitely mentally uh, to get back, um, get my weight down, get back, get back, get back to your grounded area, you know, that I'm used to, that I'm familiar with. I dropped during quarantine. Um, I dropped a good probably like 50 to 60 pounds during quarantine.
0: Wow. Okay. I was going to say 60 pounds. I didn't want to be be wrong. That's no, no, wow. No, no, no. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm back up right now
1: uh i'm back up in the probably around the 240 range um which isn't too bad i I literally dropped down to i think the lowest i got was like 235 mm-hmm. 230 you know and that was really me like real skin and bone kind of i mean i still had i was maybe about 10 percent body fat give or take and like it just wasn't a healthy way to live i'm a big dude it just wasn't a healthy way to live so i i put some weight back on but i put on muscle so that's kind of uh In strength muscle, a little bit of fat. I'm not going to lie. I'm I I love to eat. I'm kind of a fat kid at heart, you know, a little bit of fat, but mostly muscle. So
0: when you guys did finally get back, you had to hop into the ROH bubble. How, How was that whole experience with the bubble and how excited are you to finally get back in front of fans?
1: So I've been, yeah, man. Uh, so what happened was, um, I went to the pure tournament to help out. I flew back to Baltimore during the peer term because I had a meeting with the bosses and it was one of those was like, Hey man, like I'm paying, you know, paying rent here and I've got a mortgage back home. So, uh, <laughs> something's got to give here. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, talking to the bosses, the boss has been absolutely fantastic on my side the whole time. We're just like, yo dude, like finish, you know, go close your place out in Baltimore and just, just go back to California. You know, we'll, we'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, so I flew, I was like, but I'm going to go to the peer tournament. I said, I'm going to fly into the peer tournament and I'm going to help out. Um, so my first bubble experience in August, it was weird, man. Like it was so, um, and hats off to ring of water for keeping us all safe. You know, they went through so many measures to make sure we were all safe, man. And, you know, taking multiple COVID tests. They wanted me to covid test so I covid tested before anybody else got to the bubble because I came from California which was a hot spot so when I got in they wanted me to take a covid test before I even got in the bubble to make sure I would wouldn't infect anybody in the bubble and then I took my covid test uh emailed my results negative and they're like okay cool now you can enter the bubble I entered the bubble, took another COVID test, negative. So on, so man, I got an undertaker streak with with COVID <laughs> tests, brother. I'll tell you this right now, man. I'm like thirty and zero with like COVID tests. Wow. Um. But it it, it was great, man. They did. It was. It was weird though. You couldn't like hug your brothers. You couldn't touch anybody. You couldn't, and like the commission was on you too. They were like they were looking every nick and cranny, man and yeah it was it was rough but man i'm so excited to feel the fans you know to 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 feel that ring of honor energy that i felt before when i was on the
0: road crew and now it's a talent it's going to be absolutely fantastic so excited hang on you said road crew yeah so when you were so when you were working at the ROH Dojo, what, what did the road crew entail? Was it like setting up the rings? Was it helping out with the production? A little bit of everything? Yeah, so
1: um, one of the deals I had with Ring of Honor was, um, hey, come to the dojo, train full-time, and to put some money in your pocket, uh, we'll have you drive the ring truck around to all the events and set up the events. So I was like, you know what? It's an opportunity. Might as well take it. Yeah, screw it. Let's do it. And that's what, that's what happened is I would drive the ring truck to all the events and set up the events. I was the first one there and the last one to leave and then drive through the night to the next one.
0: Wow. You know, that's, that, that's some paying dues. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, you got to do it, man. There's no, you know, if they told me today, they're like, Hey bro, can you go set up the ring?" hell? Yeah, I would like, it, it doesn't bother me to pay dues. Like I don't think anything less of anybody that, sets up rings I don't think of anything less of anything like that it's just one of those things where it's like you're helping out you're getting it done and what was so great about it is I was at every single event you know I was at every single event I was around all the talent so the talent got to know me you know I got to learn the ins and outs of production I worked very closely with the production production staff you know um, I took it as as a learning experience setting up big arenas Piping off big arenas, stuff like that. I took it as a learning experience. So, yeah, that's what I did while I was, uh, before I got signed.
0: And I'm assuming all that experience, not, not just setting up the ring, but being around production helped you with what has become kind of like a second career for you with, with streaming and broadcasting and, and interviewing, right? Yes, and no. Um, I took it as a
1: tool. I definitely took it as a tool, like streaming and stuff like that, and like learning how to talk better because I, I've done I, before I signed with Ring of Honor, I would only do like maybe one podcast. Like, and it was, it was very rare to do a podcast. I don't want to say that after the Steve Austin one, it was more, it was more that I would do more of them, but I took it as a tool to learn how to talk and learn how to communicate better. And that's how the streaming came out. And that's how the show came out was I just started on Instagram and a couple of buddies hit me up. And was like, yo, dude, you start doing this on Twitch and down the rabbit hole. I went with the Twitch rabbit hole. You know, and my pocketbook sometimes hates me for it. And <laughs> my Best Buy
0: card, I think, is burned somewhere. <laughs> so, but but it's definitely seemed to help you though, as far yes. as as far as like just speaking, communicating, but also I would yeah. imagine like being on screen as well. you know, yeah. cutting promos, doing any kind of shoots, anything like that. Yeah, that, yeah.
1: It, it, I'm not camera shy anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and it, it what's so cool about working with the production team. Is and working with the camera guys, is you get to know the camera guys really well. So you know where your cameras are. So you learn where your cameras are. So that's really cool. That's a very solid um, point when you're shooting TV, is knowing where your cameras are.
0: You've been wrestling out for what about, about a decade or so? About 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. About about 10 years. At the time when you when you when you first broke in, was it tough? Was it tough for you to break in? I know nowadays and even in the last like decade or two, you know you can find a wrestling school, go to go to train, and, and finding a good school is much easier said than done. Right. Uh, when he, when you first broke in, what was it tough for you to find? Uh, not only the right trainer, the right promotion, the right community, the right people around you in order to get you to where you needed to be.
1: Well, well, that's a kind of a loaded question.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm not asking i I'm not asking burn anybody or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just no, saying no, not, like you know, yeah. it's a, it's like it's easier said than done to initially find like a good school.
1: I I, I would say that my school was not a good school to learn from. Um, they pretty much taught me how to bump and run the ropes, and that's about yeah. kind of how it kind of went. Yeah. Um, I only trained for maybe two months before I had my first match, and then it was kind of off to the races from there. You know, um, kind of learning from being in the cars with people and learning on the fly and and studying and just kind of that it's, it's watching other people's matches and talking to the vets. And that's honestly, that's kind of how I learned. You know, I don't the guy who claims he trained me and who wants to take credit for me, I will not give credit for um because I don't think he deserves it. He did when I was going through all my alcohol problems and stuff like that, he did everything he could to bury me wow. to try to make me ever wrestle again. Um, And then uh now that I'm with ring of honor and doing, you know, television and stuff like that, he always posts on his school. If you want to become like sledge, come to my school. It's like, nah, man, like you didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't create me, you know, I created the metalhead maniac. I created who I am. I, I paid the dues. I, I, was on the road you didn't connect me with ring of honor i did it myself you didn't connect me with steve austin i did it my i didn't do it myself i did it with aj kirsch but you know um you know just you know you didn't get me with impact you know kurt white did you know like that's you know the connections i made you know weren't because of him so i won't give him credit so but my my advice my advice to young wrestlers if they're listening to this find a school with a reputable trainer who's been somewhere, who has done something in the wrestling business, not just a forty-mile vet.
0: How did you end up, as far as w- with the with the ROH dojo? I mean, you, you mentioned you, you you worked the ring crew, you were helping with production and and, and everything else. But what kind of led you uh, down that path? I mean, was there a, was there a point? Okay, was there a point after you defeated your demons and and, and everything else where you, you you thought like, okay, like I got to go this way, go that way, like like. What what led you down to ROH? Because I'd imagine you had at least some options given some of your connections in the business and people that you knew. A a whim.
1: Honestly, there was something. Ring of Honor always comes to Las Vegas. And Las Vegas is about six hours from
0: me. Yeah.
1: I've always wanted to go to a Ring of Honor show. I used to watch Ring of Honor on HDNet back in the day. You know? Um, I've always been a fan of Ring of Honor. So there was just something that was drawing me to that 17th anniversary show. So, I was kind of hot on the indies. After the Steve Austin podcast, I got kind of hot on the indies, and I started doing Impact and kind of building a name for myself. Something told me to block out that weekend that they were coming for the anniversary show in September. Something told me to do that. Um, I decided was it September? Or it was March. It was March. It was March. Sorry, it was March. Mm-hmm. Um, and I blocked out the weekend. And I started. Uh, I I texted a buddy who lives in Vegas, was like, and who has done extra work for Ring of Honor before. I was like, hey man, how does this work? Who do I contact? And he's like, bro, just show up. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. So the person who, um, the person who they they get the guardrails from, I reached out to as out of respect. And was like, hey, just want to let you know, I would love to come help with the Ring of Honor show, if if that's cool. So he's like, yeah, be there by like four p.m. And I was just like, ah. That sounds really late so i contacted my buddy who's done extra work before and before and helped set up <laughs> he goes nah man if the trucks are there they're there i was like okay cool so it was like a thursday i think and then the show was friday and then they did a taping on saturday right so thursday i get there at like 10 a.m and i'm just circling sam's town trying to get into the venue just circling circling finally i get a caught of uh that one of the head ring guys Uh, i and he goes hey man like what are you doing and i'm like i'm just here to help brother like whatever you guys need i'm here to help and he goes oh cool we don't start until noon okay cool he's like so just hang out whatever you know so around noontime dude and i just got there and i just busted my ass i did everything they needed me to do to taping down guardrails mats to you name it i was like i'm here um caught a couple of the eyes um i also knew some of the boys that were there as well like jeff cobb and you know i knew a couple of the guys that worked there so i was sitting there bsing with them and they're like hey are you on the show and i was like no you know i'm just here you know helping out just trying to you know be a good brother and you know trying to, you know just trying to get not trying to get an eye you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i uh, caught it caught a couple of eyes next thing you know i was uh the head producer at the time uh i got set next to him as his right hand man He asked me if I wanted a job. I said, yes. He says, do you have stuff to send me? I said, yes. I got his email. And I took a seminar with Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn said, if you want a job, always have a resume and an 8 by 10 Always have one on you. Because you never know who's going to ask for it. So the next day, going to TV, I got a call time earlier than everybody else to help out. So I got there. And I'm setting up and I'm doing all this stuff. Right. And, uh, next, thing you know, they, they walk in and I go, Hey, I don't mean to interrupt, but you asked for my stuff. Here's my eight by 10. Here's my resume right here. And he goes, okay. And nothing else, nothing else. I was like, right. Well, went back to doing my job. Doing, 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 just doing my thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I wasn't expecting anything, you know, next thing you know, about a week later, two weeks later, I get a text. Saying, hey, are you going to be in New York for WrestleMania weekend? I go, yeah. I got a, I got a show and i do a couple of signings. They go, do you want to come to Madison Square Garden? To the G1. I said, yeah. They're like, cool, we'll be in contact. Cool. Got to the G1. Wasn't there maybe 15 minutes. Get the Iggy on the elbow. Get called into the, into the office was pretty much drilled why I haven't been signed yet you have the size you have the look what's going on why aren't you signed I uh, I told them I had some addiction issues and I, that I was that, that are very public and it was pretty much one of those like if we if we take a chance on you, how much blowback are we gonna get if we take a chance on you So I told them you know I have some addiction issues it's very public everybody knows about my addiction issues I'm X y and Z this clean and uh, they said oh okay cool. Uh, we want to offer you a, a a tryout in May. Cool. Cool. All right. We'll be in contact and did the tryout that Monday. I had a phone call, you know, waiting in the airport saying, Hey, we want to offer you a dojo spot. Come to the dojo. We, we, we believe you have something. We just, we just, we're just not quite sure yet. So if you're willing to come to the dojo, we're willing to put you on the ring truck, put some money in your pocket and then there's no guarantee that we're signing you. But we're going to see how it goes. I said, okay. Went home. You know, thought about it. I said, I'm in. Let's do it. And I moved September. Right before the pandemic. September. And then they signed me. Uh, they officially offered my my deal six months later.
0: Wow. That, that's that's fantastic.
1: There it is. There's, there's how I got in the ring of honor.
0: Wow, man. You, you certainly had a, a long road uh, between you know, battling addiction, defeating addiction, you know, yeah. some, some time that may, some people have called the lost time. You again, back on track. Uh, you, you, you mentioned earlier the Steve Austin podcast. Yep. You did the Steve Austin podcast. Uh, I mean, I, I would imagine you were able to pick Steve's brain, you know, a bit and, and learn from him with the, with the time that you spent, which is just, I mean, in, invaluable. Uh, but how did your, your life change after that? As far as not just people within the wrestling business, becoming more aware of you, um, but fans and even maybe non-fans that just happened to listen to Steve that kind of resonated with your story. It was great, man.
1: And I wasn't expecting it. That was the crazy part is I wasn't expecting him to podcast me. I was just there with a buddy, you know, because my buddy did, uh, the voice of buzz in 2k19 Mm -hmm. or 2k18 one of those two and he did like the story mode and he did all the stuff and he was on tough enough with steve so he knew steve and you're talking about you're talking about aj you're talking about aj yeah yeah. like one of my best friends um he yeah so we were traveling together and he just was like hey man i gotta drop you off at like some starbucks you know on sunday because i got this thing to do i said cool you know, I know he's an actor. He's probably got an audition or something like that. And then next thing you know, Steve Austin calls him and and he asked if I can tag along. And he said, yeah, he, you know, told me originally kiss his ass. And then he said, yeah, no, it's cool. You can tag along. Um, got to Steve's house. Me and Steve kind of started rapping about music, started talking about music, pro wrestling. And then he kind of realized, you know, we talked started talking about addiction and, you know, so on and so forth. And I think, I think how we got on the addiction he offered me, uh, Offered me a beer and I told him I don't drink. Mm-hmm. I said I'm I'm a recovering addict. And then we got into that. And then after that, like he we went next door to do the podcast at 317 Gimmick Street. And he starts setting up three microphones. And I was like, What the like, nah, man, like this is for AJ, not for me. You know, I'm just a fly on the wall, you know. Next thing you know, like he starts kind of piping me some questions, and I'm like, okay. And I started kind of talking and yada, yada, yada. And then he kind of pressed a stop. He's like, he goes, do uh, you mind if we do a podcast? And I was all like, oh, yeah, are you sure? <laughs> you know, and he's like, hell oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. So after AJC, they did mine. And I wasn't expecting anything of it. I wasn't expecting it to come out. Because in my, in my mind, I was a blubbering idiot on that thing. I didn't know. I was so nervous. Um, I mean, if we did it now, it would be so much better. I, I really would, so Steve. If you're listening to this, you know, let's do it again. And then uh, he texts me. Steve texts me, and he goes, "Hey, your uh, your thing airs to this day." Okay, cool. And the day it aired, man, within I think I woke up to just my phone just destroyed with messages. I think I was the most popular person. I was I was a popular kid in school all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it was just it, it changed my life. It really did. And I thank him all the time for helping me and changing my life I still talk to him to this day. You know, and that's how cool he is. It wasn't a one and done. It's still, you know, when the A and E thing came out, you know, about him. And I they he had to walk away from the ring. And I was sitting there, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, they never said how old he was when he walked away from the ring. And I was curious. And do you know this answer?
0: Man, I want to... I'm going to say 38. Yeah, bingo. Okay. That was good. awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: So I texted him. I texted him, and I was like, Hey, man, uh, just watch A&E thing about you, man. Hell yeah, dude. Awesome um by the way how old were you when you when you had to retire he goes uh thank you so much man it was cool that they did that and uh, i was 38 i was like oh. like you were 38 years old man you were still young you're still in your prime dude you know so and when i had my ring of honor tryout before my ring of honor tryout i said do you have any you have any uh do you have any suggestions any, any last words he's like go in there f- kill it make them remember you i was like hell yeah you know, so yeah, it's just, you know, he's just a great guy, and yeah, he completely changed my life, like that. That hit, and then like a couple months later, I did Impact, and like my life was
0: changed. That's amazing, and I, and I, I haven't met him personally or had a chance to interview him yet personally, but um, we him and I have like a few like mutual friends, like Paul be a few other guys, yeah. and it's just the recurring theme about Steve is that the guy you hear on on the podcast, as far as like just shooting the breeze with guy guys and girls, the interviews is, is the one that's like that in real life. And it just seems like, like when I, like when I watch broken skull sessions, like he, it just seems so chill. It it doesn't even seem like an interview. It just seems like a, like a conversation. I mean, were you, I I know at first you were like, Oh my God, I'm getting interviewed by freaking stone cold Steve Austin. But as time went along, I mean, did you get more comfortable? Did you kind of forget like the microphones were there and that it was just a conversation between two dudes? Absolutely. And you could tell in the interview
1: when I get comfortable if you li- go back and listen to my interview, it's on my YouTube page, youtube.com uh, slash the metalhead maniac. Go, go and go and listen to it. I, it was like a two year or three year anniversary that I, I, uh, I posted it up on the, the full thing on my YouTube channel. Um, You could tell when I first started talking, how nervous I was to talk to him. And then you could tell I gradually started getting more comfortable. And towards the end of it, it was just, It was like two dudes like me and you, man, just shooting the breeze. Mm. That's it, man. And he's just like that. He really is. It's just shooting the breeze, you know? And then me and AJ cut this cool thing with him, you know? And it it was, it, it was, it was so much fun to be around. I still have his broken skull hat that he gave me right behind me. I see it. You know, I got, I got him hanging right over here, the picture we took together. He was just, he was so cool, just so cool. And then afterwards, I sent him a bunch of merchandise, you know, that I had. You know, I was like, dude, I want to say, like, just as a thank you, you know. So
0: that that that's so badass. And yeah, you can work hard to be a good broadcaster and everything else, but man, he's got I mean, he's definitely got a gift. You know, I mean, obviously he had a gift with promos, but just just conversing with people and and projecting, he's definitely got a gift.
1: We well, can see, see that he loves it. You could yeah. see, like, literally when he does this, like how much he loves it. You know, talking about the old times and talking about professional wrestling or music or whatever it is that he has going on. If you listen to his podcast, man, he has everybody on, there. you know, deep, deep, do the deep, deep dive on his, on his podcasts. He has everybody. And he just, he just, he's just a genuine, genuine dude.
0: Now as far as some, some good times, man, I've been, I've been catching up on my massive wrestling backlog. And uh, I watched a couple of matches you recently had with Brian Johnson and and O'Shea Edwards, man. And, Was really impressed. I mean, Thank uh, you, you know, and, and I, I'd imagine a lot, a lot, a lot of fans would concur. And you're you're six three, six three, six four,
1: 6'3", six Yep,
0: six three, six four. About about two forty. You said currently. Yeah, give or take. Dude, I. How do you move like that for your size? <laughs> I don't. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I've always been super athletic. Like I've been, uh, you know, I played football and I wrestled, and I've just always been a very somewhat athletic person. And it's just one of those things where you got to be athletic to do what we do. And I've just been able to take my, I, I, one of my biggest things I like to show that the big guys can move. We're not just stand still rrr, rrr, guys. Like we can, we can move like, you know, and, and it's fun when we move, you know, Yeah. I mean, we hit it- just as hard.
0: Yeah, I mean the work looked good. I mean, obviously you had great opponents to work with as well. Everything everything yeah. looked snug and, and and everything else. But as we mentioned earlier, you did have a long layoff. A lot of wrestlers had a long layoff because you know, independent scene, you know, ROH was, was yeah. shut down for a little, little while. I mean, it's it's hard to get in ring shape. And I've always been told you can't oh, you, you can't really replicate it. It's kind of like a fight. You know, you could have cage time, you could do training camp and everything else, but there's also gonna be a, a little bit of rust, a little bit of that unknown. So Absolutely. how did you, so how did you keep yourself in shape and how did you, I guess, how did you get to the point where a year later you're looking as good as ever?
1: Um, hard work, dedication, knowing that they signed me for a reason. I want to make them understand why they signed me, you know, um, now I've lost my, I, I'm on like a losing streak right now, you know, two ties with O'Shea and then he beat me and then Brian Johnson beat me. You know, uh, I don't take anything away from O'Shea. He beat me square up, you know, I don't even think at the time, I don't think he realized he pinned me, you know, cause we were both so beat up from that battle. Um, if you, when they raised his hand, he wasn't quite sure that they were raising his hand, you know, and then finally he came to, you know, and he's going to go off and do amazing things with, you know, Shane Taylor promotions, Brian Johnson, on the other hand, man, he, he attacked me before the bell. He took my knee out while I was doing my entrance. And if I get another shot at Brian Johnson, the Mecca, the the I will derail the, the, the Mecca locomotive. I'll tell you that much right now. I will derail him. And I literally will finish the job this time because I had him. He was out. And I made that one mistake that he landed on my knee, my knee that was already messed up. And it's still messed up to this day that I will make sure that I finish him and I will make sure that he never wrestles again.
0: I do like to ask all my guests some random questions. It's something out of the blue that kind of allows fans to get to know them a little bit better. Is that cool?
1: Yeah, go for it. I like it. Rapid fire.
0: All right. All right. You broadcast on Twitch. So I got to ask you, what's your all time favorite video game?
1: Uh, I'm a counter-strike guy. I'm a first person shooter kind of guy. I love me a first person shooter man. You put me you put me in a first person shooter, I can get lost in it, you know, definitely. I've been playing a lot of Left 4 Dead. I know it's kind of an older game. Old school, not it's an older game, but it's still a fun game. You know, um and a lot of Counter-Strike. Yeah, I'm really into really into Counter-Strike. Who's the funniest
0: ROH wrestler backstage? I guess uh, probably Josh Woods.
1: Honestly. Okay.
0: That guy's freaking hilarious. <laughs> he just he's such a goof. Is there any story you're allowed to tell I don't really have any stories
1: We just have really good Conversations he makes me laugh every Time and ever since even If I was when I was on the road crew he still Treated me like a brother he still Treated me like I was one of the boys And I'll always respect him for that and I talk to Josh uh, You know almost every day You know via text Or whatever it is man And he's he's just one of those guys Man who just like he really like Big Brothers me, and he's been around for a while, you know. Matt Taven, oh, I can tell you about a rib I did on Matt Taven. <laughs> Go for it. Go- <laughs> well, it wasn't a rib. It, it wasn't a rib. It was he got some wrong information from I don't know who, and um, Matt Taven loves purple. Matt Taven's color is purple. I, I could have never guessed. You're right. Right. <laughs> Somebody told Matt Taven I was gonna wear purple. So Matt shot me a text he goes hey brother i need to talk to you okay so he goes meet me in the lobby in 10 minutes i'm like i'm in trouble i was like i i'm starting to go through my mind because i'm such a paranoid freak as it is and i'm like what did i say what did i do did i say anything did i do it no i don't think i did and he goes hey man he goes uh somebody told me that you're gonna wear purple tomorrow and i go what (laughs) he goes yeah he goes are you wearing purple tomorrow And I'm like, no. I'm like, where do you believe purple would work on me? Seriously. Any of those? Yeah, I didn't think so. He's like, what are you wearing tomorrow? And I go, I'm wearing white. I'm always going to wear white from now on. You know why? Because somebody told me in the battle oil, when I was in the battle oil, they said, we always knew where you were because you were wearing white and you stood out. And I said, you know what? White's my color now. I'll wear white from now on. I'm always gonna be in some kind of white. Um, I was like, dude, I'm wearing white. So every time I passed him in the locker room, every time I was like, Taven, I might wear some purple tonight. <laughs> I would just just to mess with him, just to, you know, just to kind of give him the old the old hee ho kind of thing, yeah. you know. And he would walk by and he would be like, damn it, you're wearing purple. And it'd be like me and all white, you know. It's just an inside inside thing we have. Um Jay Lethal's been great to me. Like all the guys have been f- absolutely fantastic to me. Like I don't have any like qualms. Shane Taylor has been fantastic to me. Um treats me like I'm a little brother. You know, he he always tells me he goes he goes I'm always going to steer you away from the landmine. But if you step on the damn landmine, just remember who tried to steer you away from it. <laughs> and I'm like, I got you, dog. I got you. You know, so yeah, I mean, everybody's been absolutely fantastic to me in the, in the locker room. But yeah,
0: favorite place to eat on the road. Oh, ah, uh, so when I'm in Texas, I love
1: Texas. There's a place called the M- Magic Time Machine. I love going to the Magic Time Machine in San Antonio, Texas. If anybody's listening to this, that's from Texas. You know what I'm talking about because they will bring you your food. They're dressed up like characters. Like Napoleon Dynamite, they've had, I think one time I was there, Nacho Libre was there. <laughs> They'll talk crap to you, but the food's really good, mm-hmm. and they feed you really good. So every time I'm in Texas, man, we always go to the magic time machine, and it's just, it's so much fun. It, it's, a, it's always a blast. And then they always have karaoke afterwards. Oh, even I better. Always sit, I always, like, hang out. like So, like, the place is huge. So they have the restaurant. And then they have the bar area where the karaoke goes and then they have this downstairs and they have a comedy club underneath. So at midnight, they always have the comedy where it's just like random people that want to go up there and do stand-up comedy. So we would always hang out, you know, bar closes at two. So, and, you know, the people I'm usually with are all drinking and having fun, right? So we would always go to the comedy show and then come up and then listen to some karaoke. It's, it's a blast. It's so much fun. I get to go back to Texas in July, man. I can't wait to go back.
0: You know, my fiance's is from Austin. I mean, I, I may have to take a trip to San Antonio. The ma- the magic brother. time machine, brother. The magic time machine. Right. Ask her, ask her about. It. She's from Austin. Yeah. Ask
1: her about the magic time machine. If she knows about the magic time machine. Okay. Ask her about it. I'm okay. telling you, man. She might know from Austin. By the way, Austin is beautiful.
0: I love Austin. Austin's Austin's great. Just just got back there uh, from there a, a few weeks ago. It's 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 awesome. Good. I mean, oh, good so good food. Super chill. Good people. Yeah. Solid people there.
1: Downtown's beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah. Downtown, Zilker Park. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, man. I've wrestled there a couple times. Okay, this one's a, a little bit of a curveball for you. What's your most awkward wrestling moment? Any kind of funny, embarrassing moment? One that you, you kind of wish you could <laughs> that you could take back? A, yeah. a botch you wish you, you yeah. didn't yeah, have? You saw something wacky, you know? Yeah, wacky, you know? Yeah. A slip okay, up? You know. All right. So, day before I fly to England for a tour.
1: Uh, they have me facing uh, a guy named uh Funny Bone, who is a, a Vegas wrestler who I've wrestled him so many times.
0: Anyway, is he actually over? funny though? No, he's okay. not funny at all, okay. man. He also is advertising. The,
1: he, his, he's the demigod of death. <laughs> okay, look him up, you'll be like, Yeah, that guy doesn't look funny at all. Um <laughs> so I've, I've wrestled him so many times um i just watched this the other day too this is so stupid i can't believe we brought this up um when he does the entrance he usually goes second and i always go first somehow they had it mixed up where he went first and usually when he walks out he spits water well what happens when you spit water on a linoleum floor It gets slippery right mm-hmm. no one wiped the floor so as I go to make my entrance and I spit water too as an homage to um, Gangrel, who had a huge hand in me, um, I go to spit water and I slip on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get back up and I'm like, and he in Funny Bone is literally laughing. He's all in paint, right? He's got covered his face in paint. He's laughing his ass off in the ring, like literally crying, laughing. So I get in the ring and we start talking, like start jawjacking. he goes, I always go second. I go, I know. I always, you know, I always go first. And he goes, let's do it again. And I was like, screw it. Let's do it again. So I grab my jacket and he grabs his jacket. We go to the back. They hit my music first. I come out. They wipe the floor. He comes out. We start to match. We literally burned like 10 minutes just doing that. It was hilarious. Like I wow. slipped and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most embarrassing. This is one of the most embarrassing. Dude, I've wrestled. Dude, I've wrestled as He-Man. I was Scientologist uh, Elvis. <laughs> I I, dude, And I was painted fully green. It, yeah, dude. I uh, And I wrestled my buddy, JD Horror, who was a Mormon, who was riding around on a scooter handing out <laughs> oh my it goodness. was just the most uh, dude i've done some of the most wackiest things you know you would never think of i'm such a bad you know you think of this big badass in the ring dude i've done some of the wackiest <laughs> I, I i i don't know i got another story if you want to hear it sure why not uh, okay cool i was uh my first tour in england i went to WA I went over there and did a tour with waw who was the knight family dynasty um, who is the parents of Paige and who did the the film uh, Fighting With My Family, right? <laughs> Very close with the family. And um, I get over there and we're, I'm on a completely, I'm on American time zone. And they're like, hey, you got to be ready by six in the morning. Uh, we're leaving at like six. And I'm like, okay, I finally like fall asleep at like two, you know? Um, we get to the venue and uh, Julia, who is the mother, uh, Soraya Knight, wasn't quite sure about me she sees this big jacked up american dude you know she wasn't quite sure about me and they put me with a guy named mitchell Starr, who mitchell Starr is a transgender wrestler right he comes out to dude looks like a lady and he does with this big old fur uh, uh feathers and the makeup and all it's it's fantastic and i go dude I go, he goes, well, well, mate, what do you want to do? I'm like, dude, you should try to kiss me the whole match. And he's like, what? I go, dude, you should try to kiss me the whole match. He goes, are you you okay with that? And I was like, oh, yeah, dude. Hell, yeah. (laughs) I was like, here's here's what we're going to do. I said, dude, anytime you get a chance, dude, try to kiss me. Lock up, try to kiss me. I was like, you're going you're gonna to spin me, and you're going to dip me, and you're going to try to kiss me, right? I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to give you a little steam. You're going to hit a comeback, and you're going to hit that big kiss. I said, I guarantee you, dude, do you-? I said, you hit the big kiss, kick me in the gut, give me the stunner. Dude, we'll go home right there. He goes, all right, man, you sure? And I said, like, yeah. I said, trust me. Trust me. I was like, he's never met me, never met me, doesn't know me from Adam. I said, just trust me. We go out there, dude. We lock up. He's trying to kiss me. Drives me into the corner. And I go to the ref. I go, he's trying to kiss me. And he goes, I, I saw a lockup. I was like, he's trying to. I was like, you, you know, and said they're playing it off, right? He dips me. And I go, put me down. He takes his hands out from under me. I took a back bump, you know. I'm getting pissed off. Finally, the big badass American gets on him, starts steaming him up, right? Start talking crap to the crowd. He hits the big comeback and then uh, he hits the big kiss on me and I start flailing my arms around. We're going around the ring. He literally, I said, dude, lay this thing on me. (laughs) I'm like, cause it has to be real. Just lay it on me, brother. It's all good. And flailing around. Next thing you know, he lets me go and I'm like puking. (laughs) Turn around, kicks me in the gut, stuns me. I take the big old high push bump. Rock kind of bump for him. He pins me. One, two, three. We go home. He lays that kiss on me. Place blows. It just goes nuts. I go to the back. Soraya comes up to me. She goes, oh, my God. That was brilliant. I would have never guessed in a million years. And I was all like, oh, thank you so much. It was great. He comes back. He goes, brother, that was amazing. (laughs) And I'm like it was easy. It was easy. And the place, it did place blue. Like it was just like the, so loud, the minute they laid that kiss on me just so loud. Um, yeah, it was great. so I've done all kinds of crazy in the ring, man. It's just, it's, it's fun, you know, but I do take wrestling extremely seriously as well. So when it's time to fight, it's time to fight.
0: Yeah. I mean, you like trying different things. Have you, have you tried acting? Is that something that's on your radar down the road? I would love to do it. I would love to act, and I've actually, uh, I was just
1: supposed to be in, during the pandemic, right before the pandemic, I got hit up about doing a Netflix series. Um, I can't say which series it was, mm-hmm. um, and we were talks where there was communication about it, and doing a three-part series. It was going to be a three-part movie, and uh, it fell through because of the pandemic. So, yes, acting is definitely
0: on my radar to do, yeah, 100%. Excellent. Excellent. Well, hopeful. Hopefully, you keep in touch with them and and things work out. Because I I could just I could just tell. I mean, you're obviously a great communicator, and you, you definitely got a presence. And it's just, it, it sounds like you're willing to try something at, at least once, especially for the sake of, of other people's entertainment. So, as
1: I, long I, as it's entertaining, and as long as it's entertaining, and people are entertained with what I do, pfft, don't matter, dude. You know what I get what. It's cool, man. Like, what a dude kissing me? It don't matter to me, man. I'm comfortable with my sexuality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's all good. So,
0: I really do appreciate the time. This is a, a great conversation. Definitely love to have you back on sometimes. Let's do it. Uh, I want to make sure we get you yeah, here on a, on a on a real positive note here for everybody watching this at home and listening to this on the podcast. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you give anybody for success?
1: Gang girl told me this, and uh, I, I, it always sticks with me. It really does. Um, I can always tell you the story, the backstory to it if you want, but if not, then yeah, sure. Okay. So I was, I messed up a spot pretty bad and uh, I, 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 I entered in too soon and he kept trying to move the guy. So he didn't see me. And I was so mad at myself. And like when uncle Dave gets mad, uncle Dave gets mad and I grabbed my stuff and I ran out of that building with my tail between my legs. And I saw him at the after party and I came up to him and I go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He goes, sit down, kid. He goes, you can't go back and change it, learn from it and move on. And that, and that advice has stuck with me to this day, 10 years later, I was so green. And he says, there's nothing you can do to change it. You can't go back in time, learn from it and move on. And that will always stick with me. And that's my advice with anybody, with anything that they're going on in their life. You can't change the past. You can't go in the past. And you can't change all the mistakes you made. You can learn from them and you can move on. And the thing is though, is the people in your life can move on with you or they're not worth being in your life.
0: And and before we let you go, where can fans find you online? Uh, I make it easy, man. At
1: Sledge805. That's it. Look me up on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, MySpace, you know, you name it, man, I'm on it.